Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. No special announcements, so let's jump right into it. First up, 3DO RGB kits are now in stock at Retro Gamer Stuff. And this was the kit that was originally designed by Dan, Citrus 3000 PSI, who then open sourced it. And I believe Retro Gamer Stuff did one or two runs of production on it, and then the part shortage just killed everything. So now these are finally back in stock after a long time of not being able to get them. If you want more details on the kit and you want to see it in action, the original launch video I did is still 100% accurate. Just where you get it is different. Everything else, the functionality, the compatibility, everything is the same. It is an awesome kit. It's a little challenging though. It's not like an SNES or N64 early model RGB kit. It's more like the later model N64 RGB kits. So it's not an easy installation, but it comes with a flex cable, and it really is an awesome upgrade if you're running all RGB and you just wanted to squeeze the best quality out of your 3DO. The other advantage is you can switch between 240p and 480i, which is kind of a big deal. I demo all this in the video, so I don't want to waste your time with it here. But either way, if you have a 3DO and you are interested in getting RGB out, I would jump on this because the kits might not be in stock for much longer. And this isn't a huge demand item, so I think these are going to be made as needed. So there could be another gap between. So so not trying to cause FOMO here or anything. I just, I want to be blunt in that this is one of those things that, you know, you probably want to jump on it when you get it, as opposed to like SNES mini RGB mods, which, you know, there's always going to be a need for those. So there's always going to be stock somewhere. This is kind of a, a smaller, more niche item. So if you need it, grab it right now. And if not, that's cool too. But if you have friends that have 3DOs that want RGB output and have integrated 240p 480i switches into that as well, now's the time to grab it. So links are right in the description. And uh, of course, the video, once again, is right there if you want all the details on it. Some pretty big updates from the Mr. Multisystem team. They have some new shells they're releasing, which I definitely want to talk about that in a bit. But also, and I think the most significant announcement today, is that they have open sourced the entire project via the GPL 3.0 license. The source is in Altium, just like the official IO boards originally designed by Sorge. And all of the enclosures, are, or most of the enclosures, the print files are available if you want to 3D print your own. So this is a pretty massive deal because Mr. has always been in the spirit of open source. All of the code is open source. 
but people still need to make your money. And, you know, trolls aside, I think most of us understand that if you spend time developing, manufacturing, and selling these products, just breaking even doesn't cut it. You need more money coming in to pay your own bills, but also to fund the next development on things. So open sourcing it now after they've made some money back is cool, but I don't, it almost feels a little too early for me, which is just my own stupid opinion. You know, I'm not criticizing the team. I just, I, I love the Mr. Multisystem. I've always talked about how much I like it. And I, I just, hopefully, hopefully people will recognize where this came from and continue to buy through the correct places. And while, it, you know, it's totally open source now, so if somebody else wants to make their own or make their own modified version of it, that's awesome, and I support that. I just really hope those notorious clone companies or clone person, to be specific, doesn't get a hold of this and release cheaper but low-quality versions of it that don't perform as well or break after a short period of time. So I just really hope that the Mr. Multisystem team was still able would still be able to make some money off of this because I really want to see what else they're coming up with because this has always been tied for my favorite Mr. Case for one very important reason. This feels like a video game console and I'm not throwing shade at all the other cases that the one that it's tied with is the Retro Castle case, that small little integrated case with everything built right into it. I love that one too, but that doesn't look and feel like a game console, which is fine. It doesn't have to, but I use the Mr. Multisystem in my setup behind me because it looks and feels like a game console. All of the stuff, you know, all the audio, video, and power outputs are in back and network and stuff like that. Your USB controller stuff is in front, and it feels the same way it would with a video game console. However, the Mr. Multisystem team has now taken this a step further, and they have just released the print files for a PlayStation-style case that's the same look and feel as a PlayStation, so it's not exactly like it, but you'll recognize it immediately. But it keeps that functionality and adds a snack adapter in front for the PlayStation controllers as well as a port for gun cons. It looks like a composite video port, but it's just for the gun con. And that continues in the spirit of look and feel of a console. There's no stupid pigtail adapters to connect your controller. You just plug your PlayStation controller in. But even if you don't, even if PlayStation is not your favorite console, if you have a CRT and you want to use light guns, you could get a gun con too. And same thing, plug it both into the front as you're supposed to be with your controllers. And now you could have light gun games for all the cores that support the gun con, which I'm pretty sure it's all the cores that have light guns on there. And on top of that, while the files aren't out there yet, they have also teased a Super Nintendo style case with built-in adapters in front for the SNES and NES controllers. Once again, no stupid pigtails. It just looks like a console with those inputs in there. So that's just a tease. They haven't released the files yet. Um, and I don't think the PlayStation 1 is available to purchase, but holy crap, that's awesome. I always say I love choices, but I don't know. This is a tough one, though. I, Super Nintendo is my favorite console. I definitely would probably, you know, definitely would use those controllers more. But having that gun con port right in front is really handy. And I obviously have a CRT setup behind me. So 
I don't know. I, I messaged Richard as soon as I saw the PlayStation style case out there, and I don't know which one I want, but I want one of the two because that looks amazing. So lots of awesome news from the Mr. Multisystem team. All of it's positive. I just really hope that uh, we all remember that if that is the style case you like, once again, there's a lot of my opinions mixed in here. You don't have to like this style case, but if this is the form and functionality that you're going for, please just remember to buy it from them or from people who use these open source files files correctly. Somebody puts their own spin on it, credits them, and sells it properly. Cool. But just stay away from the cloners, please, because especially that one cloner, because somebody really needs to put a stop to that person. That's just getting a little ridiculous. So as long as we just support in the right places, hopefully we can see a lot more awesome products from this team. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Todd from Retrofrog just released another fan replacement solution for the original Xbox, and there are actually two available from the same store, both from Todd, so no guilt about talking about both of them here. Uh, but one, the one that was just released is for a 60mm Noctua fan, and the previous one was for a 70mm Nexus fan. And you can choose whichever one, it's a no-cut mod, just whatever fits your setup best, but there's a few reasons why you might want to decide between them. First, depending on where you're located, you might only be able to get one of those two fans, so that's kind of a no-brainer. But also, the Noctua fan should be a little quieter, about the same price, and it should move about the same amount of air. You know, 70 millimeter fans probably going to move a little bit more, but I don't know that it would be a significant enough difference to actually make a performance or longevity difference for your Xbox console. I'm pretty sure Todd did some thermal testing with this to double check, but it's really just what fits you know, your budget, even though they're priced almost identically and, and what you feel best with. For me personally, I just, for years, I was used to loud and noisy things. And then recently with, you know, you you don't no longer have a spinning disc in a fan. You use your little streaming box on your flat panel TV and there's no noise. So when I went back to watching, or when I switched to watching TV and movies on a projector again, all of a sudden all that noise comes back and it's like, oh man, I used to not even hear it because I was used to it, but now it's a big difference. So for me, I'd probably pick the quieter fan just for the heck of it. None of them are silent, but they're going to be a little quieter. But that's why, you know, choices. Pick whichever one you want. Both are available. The links to the fans themselves and the shroud kits are all available here. Just use whichever one that you want. And one little thing, uh, if you're going to be buying these adapters from Stone Age Gamer and paying for shipping anyway, maybe consider some of the other stuff that's out there. Just because at that point, you know, 
you're you're if you were sort of interested in these other things, you're saving so much money in shipping anyway. So Todd's got the Xbox vertical stand and the 3.5 to 2.5 millimeter hard drive or SSD adapter. So links to everything are in the post, but this is cool because you know fan replacements are something that we're all gonna have to deal with. And I, I really like that people are out there trying to get fans that are both available and an improvement over the original without having to cut or anything like that as well. So thanks, Todd. Bitmap Bureau has just opened pre-orders on a Neo Geo version of their very well-received beat-em-up game, Final Vendetta. And I am incredibly excited about this. I just think the Neo Geo is the perfect platform to release a game like this. And I also like how Bitmap Bureau went about doing it. They have their modern console versions of it that are already out. You can get them digitally, or I have links here to special editions of the Switch, PS4, and PS5 versions. And they were able to take the money that they made from that and backport it to the Neo Geo. And the prices range from about $415 to $615, depending on which limited edition you want, or just the cart with a case, and AES and MVS versions. And while that's not cheap at all in the world of Neo Geo, I think Neo Geo collectors are probably nodding like, yeah, all right, that makes sense. And people who uh, who normally just buy games from you know Super Nintendo and Genesis at a game store are going, oh my God, that's crazy prices. So you gotta... You have to put it into consideration there. Hopefully the team will release a ROM for sale at some point, but it is my very strong opinion that they shouldn't do so until after all of these ship and get to the customers. And, you know, if there's any problems, that's all worked out just because piracy sucks. So hopefully they'll eventually release a cheaper, just buy the ROM only type of thing. But for now, I think this is perfect. You know, get get this version out to the people who would really appreciate hard copies, Neo Geo collectors, and, you know, have a game that's just a perfect fit for the Neo Geo there. Um, a friend of mine purchased the AES version and had it, was having it drop shipped to me, so I will be able to do a review of that as soon as it comes in. And I actually haven't played the game yet. I've seen videos of it. It looks awesome, but I'm now respectfully going to try my best not to play it so I can experience it for the first time on my arcade machine in an original Neo Geo setup. Um, you know, I got the AES version, but we all know there's ways to, to pipe those through there. So we'll see what it's like, but I'm very excited for this. Uh, I'm happy I'm getting a chance to try it. And if you're a Neo Geo collector, or if you're somebody that just wants a really awesome new game that should be a good fit for your console, you should really consider this. And, you know, once again, they're not cheap, but nothing Neo Geo related is cheap. So it's just uh, some perspective there when you're thinking about buying this game. The Computer History Archives project have just uploaded two videos that were Sony promotional factory tour videos from their CRT and rear projection factories. And while some of these videos and some of the info in there has been in other videos that they've uploaded, they're not very long and they were awesome looks into both of these technologies. I liked them both because one of the ones that they showed had the differences between flat and curved panel glass and a short overview of how they work and how they're made, including how the glass themselves is made. It also showed the assembly of one of my favorite CRTs ever, that curved screen, dark gray, black case Sony Trinitron TV. Um, and that one was awesome for, for all the reasons, but also the one that they did for the rear projection TVs was interesting as well. And it was a great way to visualize how these things work. Essentially, three CRTs, three small tubes, but one's red, one's green, and one is blue, 
that is shining up through the back of this, reflecting on the black on the, the back of a plastic screen, and then having to be tweaked so that all of the images are drawn together to mix the red, green, and blue colors properly. And not only was it a, a good visualization of how it works and how they were made, but it also helps you understand why these things were so heavy. Because you have three medium-sized CRTs in the bottom of this thing. Because remember, CRTs are glass all the way around, so it's not just that front panel. So you're lifting a ton of glass in there. Very, very heavy TVs. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stop ranting about it because you probably will spend less time actually watching these things and listening to me go off about it. But I just love these glimpses into the Sony factories, and I, I love how they kind of just showed the whole process. So if you're a CRT nerd... Or even if you're only mildly one, you probably would be interested in seeing these as well. So give them a watch. Both links are in the description, as well as a link if you want to support the Computer History Archives project. I recently uploaded an audio-only podcast with Simon Ahrens, the creator of Bravicon, Broadcast Video Converter Software. Not BronyCon. A friend of mine brought that to my attention afterwards. If I had thought of that, I would have asked Mason to bury a little My Little Pony somewhere in his thumbnail, but no, it is not BronyCon. It is Bravacon or Brovacon or however you want to say it. And it's essentially a GUI overlay that utilizes a lot of the other tools that are out there to do things like deinterlace and scale your video files. And while I'm while that is an accurate description, if you're not familiar with how a lot of these script-based converters and conversion tools work, it's really hard. It's a learning curve. I mean, it's a very steep learning curve that takes a lot of your time because even converting small files to practice still takes a lot of time to script it, wait for it to spit out, fire it up. So having a GUI-based way to do all of this stuff is very, very, it makes it so much easier. I've already started using it. There were a couple of bugs and a couple of weird little things that we ran into right away. Um, you, The one thing that I forgot that everybody seems to be forgetting is you need to install AVI Synth Plus before using this. Uh, free software, I linked to it right here. Um, and other than that, I would just kind of give this a try. And everything that Simon and I talked about kind of as we talked about it, when I followed up with these conversions afterwards, everything was spot on. The deinterlacing is excellent. I did occasionally get some haloing around the heads of people, but it was much less of a distraction than the combing effect, you know, the interlacing lines that you see. And it certainly was a heck of a lot better than just letting YouTube's deinterlacer do its thing. Uh, you know, if you're not, respectfully, if you're not into converting video formats and, and this stuff bores you, you could skip this one. I mean, no disrespect to Simon when I say that, but I like to always be very honest about these chats. You know, a lot of these are like slide up a beer and hang out with us. Some are, are like grab your pen and, and notepad and take notes. And, you know, this is kind of one of those. Uh, and it's not a good or bad thing. It just, it is what it is. And I like to be honest with everybody. I don't ever like wasting people's time which is hard because I'm wordy, but I just always want to let everybody know what they're, you know, what to expect. We did kind of go off on a, a bit of a side rant about using um, DVD recorders, both as time-based correctors and to digitize video. That was kind of interesting. I spoke to Epos Vox afterwards and ended up buying the same DVD recorder he has for all the reasons we discussed in there. And uh, you know, that is on its way. Hopefully I could end up following up with a, a fun little video on that. And also we talked about editing 
just editing basic videos and stuff like that. So if you're into that stuff, give it a listen. If not, you know, with, with all the love and respect to Simon, don't waste your time. I'm sure I'll follow up with another video at some point walking you through how to use Simon's software and why or when you might want to use it. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, if you want to see video examples of any of the stuff I'm talking about or just more details, please check out Lou's video. I'm just going to skim through these and kind of give the overview. First up, Attract17 announced that the next core being worked on with Darren O is RoboCop 2, and that would also allow a bunch of other games to come out of that core, including Caveman Ninja. So it's not ready for the public yet, but at least you'll know that that's in progress. Also, Adam Gastonow is developing a new game and watch core with more features and documentation. Track 17 posted an update on Pramod's Williams Z-Unit arcade core running NARC, and it's mentioned that the core is very close, but Pramod is starting to debug the ROM check failure. So that's awesome. NARC's a cool game, and that should probably lead to a few other things as well. Uh, we talked about the NES to SNES Zelda port last week, and I will be following up again next week, so I'm just going to kindly skim over that one, but uh, Lou shows some more examples of that in there if you'd like, and My Life in Gaming did a stream on that recently as well. They ran into a couple of bugs, but you could watch any of the videos on that and get a sense, but the final version's coming soon, and you're going to love it if you're a fan of the original Zelda. Next, does anybody have a Raiden DX PCB with an NEC V33 CPU? Darren O would be using that CPU to verify against his implementation for the Raiden DX project. So if you have uh, one of those PCBs that you're able to either lend or, or sell or give away if you have the ability to, maybe uh, get a hold of anybody involved in that and see what you could do. On Patreon, Hotego mentioned that almost all of the monochrome Neo Geo Pocket systems are now implemented. There's just a few things missing, like the horizontal blank interrupt and DMA logic. So there's a lot more details on that uh, in the post, and um, as well as the analog pocket system, system 16B core. So if you're a supporter, check that out. But basically, progress is coming along. Wizzo has just updated the Mr. Remote script, and there's even more updates coming. I've been testing some beta versions of that. And this is the script that I just gushed over how much I liked, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. And Wizzo is even looking into hostname-based access, which I'm testing now with them. So far, it's working great in most scenarios. And, uh, you know, my, my genuine thanks to all of the IT folk who reached out to tell me how to use my router last week. Uh, I think a lot of you forgot that I was in IT for over 10 years. Uh, and it was also my fault for not making it clear that I don't, I don't want a solution for my personal setup. I do, but I was looking for a solution for everyone's setup, including people who don't have access to their routers. Maybe they're renting one from their ISP or they got one for free or something like that. So Wizzo's taking care of that. So thank you very much to everybody that reached out to help. But uh, I think this is going to be done on the mister level. And now you would just be able to type in the name of your mister uh, into your IP address or into your address bar and access it there. So um, if you are already using the remote script, just edit using our update using update all and we'll let everybody know when the, the final version comes out. But there's a, you know, there's a lot going on with that and I'm very excited. 
And lastly, Robert showed a bunch more examples of the N64 core that's now a work in progress. There's three simple floating point operations of past tests, but all transfer options operations between CPU and FPU are also implemented. So that's a pretty big step forward. And it's so impressive to watch Robert work through all this. So as usual, thanks very much to Lou for keeping up with all of this stuff. I really appreciate having all this in one place just to keep up with everything that's going on in the Mr. Scene. And uh, once again, just please subscribe to Lou and show your love because it makes things so much easier having all this in one spot. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. After testing many USB 3.1 hubs that did not work as advertised, I found another one that does. I'll skip to the end real quick, and then I'll go back over the details if you're interested, but this is a small, compact USB-C hub that also has a card reader, an HDMI out if your USB-C port uh, supports that, and even has a charge port, so you could use one port on your laptop to charge it and run this hub and a display if you need to do all of that. If you already know what all of those things are and you want to buy one, just grab the link right in the description. And uh, if you don't need the details, you could feel free to skip right on to the next section. It does not support the Nintendo Switch. Uh, there's one linked here that does. But if you want more info on this, stick with me. I'll go through it. If not, just skip to the next section. So first of all, this is a small, compact USB-C hub with a pigtail USB-C connector directly into it. And it's really designed for laptops with limited USB-C ports, and especially laptops that charge via their USB-C ports, like MacBooks and a lot of other laptops that are out. And the first feature that works with this thing that I tested was the charge port. So there's a USB-C port with a little lightning bolt uh, symbol on it, symbol, symbol on it. <laughs> and if you have a laptop or a MacBook or something with limited USB-C ports, you plug this into the port and you plug your charger into this. So it supports charging while also using the functionalities of the hub. So that's a pretty big deal if you're using one of these newer laptops that only has one or two USB-C ports. Now you could really break out the functionality of that. And while you're charging or not, you don't have to have it plugged into your charger, there's a bunch of other things on it. There are an SD and micro SD reader, I didn't have the fastest medium to test, but it worked as good or better than all of the other readers that I have. And on the other side are two USB-A 10 gig ports and a USB-C 10 gig port that actually runs at the advertised speed. I did run into one issue, but I used Wendell from Level 1 Tech's suggestion of just unplugging and rotating the USB-C connector. We talked about that in the interview if you're interested. Um, I have a you know, linked here where it says as discussed before if, uh, if you're interested in that. So basically it worked perfectly. It worked exactly as it should. The only hiccup is expected with uh, occasionally expected with USB-C stuff. And the HDMI port works as long as your USB port supports it. So if you're not an IT nerd, very quick overview. This is not a USB to HDMI video card. This is simply for devices that supply DisplayPort or HDMI video through the USB or Thunderbolt ports. This will work on, on either one of those. So 
if you have a desktop, you could still use this and you could even still use this through a USB C to USB A adapter, the HDMI functionality probably won't work. It might if you're using integrated video or if you've already looped your DisplayPort into your Thunderbolt card and want to use it th through those ports. But it's still a valid thing to buy, especially if you have a laptop and a desktop and now you just have a, a fast hub and a card reader that you could use on both. So everything works well. The only thing that doesn't work on it is it is not compatible with the Nintendo Switch, which it's not advertised as being compatible with the Switch. It's just, it's functionality <coughs> that I would have appreciated because then it's one device for everything. I did find another adapter that is cheap and is compatible with the Switch. So uh, I have that linked in there as well. So if you're looking for, for that instead, you can purchase both, but that's a USB 3.0 hub. So it's not as fast as this one. So this is basically for people that want the pass-through charge, want USB 3.1 speeds and a card reader and HDMI out, or, or maybe just two of those. Maybe you don't need all three of those functionalities. It's all built in and it actually works as advertised. And just to note, you know, going to cut the trolls off of the pass here. <clears throat> yes, I will be reviewing non-retro stuff like this because they don't work as advertised anymore. For years, if you buy a USB 3 hub, they just run at USB 3 speeds. But in the past year, I've found a lot of devices that don't work right. And even though a USB hub isn't retro related or even gaming related, every one of us will at least some point run into a scenario in which we would like the faster speed hubs for whatever reason. But how do you know what stuff is actually good? So I want to make sure that I put out reviews of things that I can guarantee the one that I bought was definitely working properly. Who knows if, you know, your mileage may vary with some of these things, but I definitely want to keep doing this stuff because it's just so hard to find reliable equipment anymore. And you, you really need people like Epos Fox, Level 1 Techs, and all of us nerds who care about making sure we actually get what we pay for. So yeah, I'm going to probably keep doing these. Not a lot. It's not going to take over retro RGB, but you will absolutely see stuff like this on here. Most people appreciate it. And if you don't, that's fine. You don't have to read the article and you could skip to the next section. Pre-orders are now open for two new Sega Genesis official repro slash collector's editions for the games El Viento and Sol Dice. Both of these games can be pre-ordered from both US and Europe resellers and come with exactly what you would expect from these. You know, uh, nice cases, everything spelled correctly, uh, cartridges that are properly built, and that's something that obviously remains to be seen once they arrive. However, I will say that Retrobit their past Genesis releases for the past few years have been spot on. All beveled edges, all running at the correct voltage. So while obviously, you know, we should all as nerds be skeptical until they arrive and always double check, I think it's a pretty darn safe bet that you're going to get a well-built cart because they've been doing such a good job up until now. Why would they change? But if you want more information on each of these, you could check out their respective sale pages that shows you what comes with each one of them. And as far as should you pick these up or not, I mean, it always comes down to a few things. First of all, are you somebody that really likes collecting physical media or are you just a ROM collector that buys only your absolute favorites? That's totally up to you. I certainly don't judge. But the whole do you buy the original or do you buy the collector's edition? If you are somebody that wants an original cartridge to use in your console, you can find reasonable versions of Soldis online. 
they're still more expensive than this, meaning that Retrobit definitely chose the correct game, or one of the correct games to use with that, because you certainly wouldn't be losing any money. However, picking up an original El Viento will cost hundreds of dollars. So you could buy both of these for just the price of Soldis, and you could buy many of them for just the price of the original El Viento. So just kudos to Retrobit on this one. This isn't just regurgitating a game you could buy for five bucks in a bin at a game store. These are games that people like, that are very expensive, that you're getting hopefully as well built as their previous releases, official releases of these. So if you're interested, check out all of the links to everything, including the originals, if you're into that too, you know, that's awesome. Just uh, everything that you need is right here in the post. And hopefully this will be a good thing for people that were looking to pick up these games at fair prices, not crazy jacked up scalper prices. I just wanted to follow up from last week on the whole Neo Geo 240p test suite stream. That went absolutely awesome. I had a great time doing it. And, uh, you know, I talked a lot about, I hope the stream goes okay, because, you know, I talked about it before it existed. But no, everything was cool. I put timestamps in the video, though, because we did end up spending like 40 minutes fixing something. So just a very quick overview. I wanted to not only show off the test suite, but I also wanted to show a scenario in which you would need it. So Phone Dork was kind enough to send me a consoleized MVS, which I was able to use to show this thing off. And the first thing we found was that one of the cables sent was broken or wired wrong or something. And then the second cable that we tested, the RGB output was fine, but the sync was way too high to go into, to safely go into video processors and switches. So we took a moment to uh, add a resistor to that. And then I made a very funny, but, but valid mistake where I accidentally used a 680K resistor not a 680 ohm resistor, so I got no signal at all through the sync line. Glad I made that mistake, because that's actually a mistake many people make when adding a resistor to the sync line on stuff like this. I usually like a 480, but a 680 would work too. So, you know, 470 or something like that, but whatever. It's still good enough to use, but that was kind of funny. <clears throat> and then after that finished, then we went in and went through all of the different parts of the test suite. We showed off a few different cool things about it. And then at the very end, we showed a prototype adapter for the Sani cart reader that allows you to flash this if there are any updates. You do not need to flash it. I just want to make that abundantly clear. These will come there. These will ship to you with the latest version on it. Everything will be plug and play when you get it. But let's just say two years from now, one of the crew, you know, Dustin or Artemio discovers some awesome new thing to add to it. And you're like, oh, damn, I really wanted that. You don't have to buy a new cart. You could either get the, the flasher or you could probably send it back to Stone Age Gamer and have them upgrade it for you. So we just wanted to demo that if there is some killer new feature in, in the future, you're not going to miss out on that. You could get everything updated and retain your unique serial number, retain everything else on it. So please check out the stream if you're interested. Feel free to skim through it. Uh, if you don't care and you just want to buy your own, that's awesome too. Link is right here. And if you already have a ROM cart and you don't need a dedicated 240p test suite cart, that's also cool. You could just download the ROM and load it right up. And if you still want to support the team, you could throw them a tip on itch.io or you could subscribe on Patreon, which is definitely the best way to help the team. So just wanted to mention that. Thanks again to our team.io. Thanks to Dustin and thanks to, uh, to Jose. Uh, there's just so many people to thank that got involved with this. So thank everybody. I'm sure I missed a lot. I apologize, but this was a fun stream and an awesome product that I was so happy to share with everybody. 
Well, that's it for this week. I did want to mention that I had heard some of the rumblings about analog jailbreak firmware working and then not working and then working again. And it just, I wanted to address it because if I didn't, I would just get a hundred trolls in the comments saying, you forgot to talk about. Uh, I didn't forget. I'll look into it. I'll, I'll see if there's anything that people need to know about it. I do know that there was a lot of confusion and there was a lot of misinformation. So the whole question was, you know, will a new jailbreak firmware that doesn't work right brick your old analog console no but maybe just hold off till next week to update if you really want to be sure and the other question was if i buy this round of analog consoles will a jailbreak firmware work i don't really know that either i'll look into all of that stuff i'll try to get solid answers but just there was a lot of trolling going on with that and i don't know how much of it was real maybe it's all real but it doesn't sound it to me so i don't know i i will follow up and i'll try to get more info but i'm not posting anything unless it's relevant and i won't talk about it again here unless i have solid info i just i i just didn't want all of the comments to be filled with you forgot posts because it's useless and it just takes away from all the really good conversations that go on so you know i just wanted to at least address that, that, you know, it's probably fine and I'll look into it. But speaking of which, thank you to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to anybody who supports in any way possible, because it is you who is keeping this going. Without all you, none of this would uh, would continue, and I really love doing it, and I especially really love helping other people, the developers, just people who want to have cool gaming setups. So thank you all for allowing this to continue, and hopefully I will see you all next week. <laughs>